0: Hey, everybody, I am back. I'm Sherry Dutter from The Writing Glitch. You are listening to the Emotional Kids Summit this month in August of 2023. Right now, this conversation, I am with Kaya Gossman. Kaya is an occupational therapist, she is the owner of a sensory gym in New York City Manhattan girl (laughs) but she is coming to us from this wonderful art studio that she has found for this interview today so if you have not purchased the companion course you've got to because the artwork that is behind her is absolutely amazing. Kaya, welcome welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm
1: going to credit my mom, Gloria Gottesman, Goddess Art, who's doing all the
0: artwork. This is all her work. Amazing. It's beautiful. You showed me one before we recorded of the Passover. I don't know if that is somewhere quick and easy. I'm not sure where that was, but I'm like, hello, I need to find that one. That one's cool. That one's mine. (laughs) Oh, boy. Awesome. I love it. So we'll have to talk about that after the recording here, but you do a lot of work with self-regulation and school-based therapy. You have a specialization with the Size Handwriting Program, and you're also creating stuff. Come on, give us a little bit of background as to what's going on in the Kaya world.
1: So I'll preface this by saying I diagnosed myself as ADHD about three years ago. So it makes sense that I do a lot of everything. So I think because of the ADHD, I started, I think I had one job my entire life, like one school year salaried position as an occupational therapist. After that, it was always basically me being, figuring out how to work for myself and creating my own hours and creating my own things. So everything that I've done as an OT kind of has evolved over the years. And it started with doing EI home care and then school-based home, in-home for the DOE, Department of Education. Then I started working out of my apartment so that I was trying to Minimize my in-between time of sessions. So I started working out of my apartment. Then I got an apartment specifically to work out of, and I turned this two-bedroom condo into a full-out, now compact, mind you, because this is Manhattan, but a full-out sensory gym. I've got a climbing wall. I've got a scooter ramp. I've got balls. I've got swing. It's cool. So people come to see me, usually after school, And there was a time where I was working with the DOE and having other OTs work for me in there and then COVID hit and that kind of shut down. So now it's just me. And in the meantime, I started learning about online business and learning about B-School with Marie Forleo. You can look her up. She's awesome. And that gave me the idea. So my brain just continuously comes up with ideas. So at some point I went and got certified as a size matters, handwriting certified OT and instructor. And I've been using those techniques within my practice as well. And I, another, another avenue is that a parent had begged a school to hire me, so I'm consulting with that school where her daughter is just to help her daughter, but I'm consulting with that school, and I'm creating visuals and videos and worksheets based off of the same principles of the Size Matters Handwriting Program in helping all these kids with disabilities really be able to learn. That's my goal is always having kids with whatever disability and whatever level of ability they have to be able to learn.
0: And I think that's how come you and I connect so well. We have been discussing things over the last several years. I think you were at a webinar early on that I've done when I first started doing anything with, out there online. Is that correct? I actually think it was Clubhouse.
1: And I am not a clubhouse person, but you were doing everything at Clubhouse, so I met you at Clubhouse.
0: Okay, so that was during COVID because Clubhouse started right during COVID, and I was out there on Clubhouse almost every day talking about dysgraphia and how we can help these kids. And I actually was coaching a third grade teacher. And I think you were part of that conversation along the way with helping a bunch of kids in her classroom that were struggling with writing.
1: So for me, I think the connection, the way I found you now, I might've found you before this, but it was your book, the word dysgraphia. I'd been hearing from parents for many years, and I didn't have a good definition for it for them. And it really translated into, oh, they have bad handwriting. That is dysgraphia. And I just pretended to understand that there was a difference between bad handwriting and dysgraphia. So your book, and I purchased your book, and I'm shocked that I enjoyed it so much, the way you write the book. It's a really awesome book. I'll admit I haven't finished it because ADHD. But When I get into it, I'm halfway through, but that was a one time reading. I'll have to do that again to finish it. But you take concepts that my brain has such a hard time manipulating and understanding. Somehow your language is down to earth enough and not science enough that I'm able to continue to attend. So it's awesome.
0: Thank you. When I was writing that book, my intention was can the parent who just figured out that their child had this handwriting issue, pick up this book and be able to glean something from it. I know early on when I was doing some things, OTs were going, it's not technical enough. It's not technical enough. It wasn't written for you, the OT. It was written for the parents. And what I gleaned from many OTs is they appreciated that because it is their you no know, go-to parent resource. And
1: I appreciate it just because it's my go-to resource. I'm able to understand it enough. Even though I have a health background and went to OT school and should understand the science, it can get really deep in the weeds for me where I lose a track of understanding connections. And I don't think there's any depth. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like there's a difference between dumbing it down too much, talk to me like I'm five. And just speaking in simple language that anyone can understand. I think what you've done is made it most inclusive because now OTs who are educated can watch or read it and understand the material, as well as the parent who knows nothing from the brain part of it. So even OTs, I'm a P's OT, there's a difference between a PhysDiz OT and physical disabilities OT and a PEEDS OT and a mental health OT. I don't gel in that PhysDiz environment. It is too cold for me. The information is too clear cut. I am about creativity and flexibility and just bending. And I think OT as a profession in general, that's what it is. All this assessing seeing fixing and being creative and making and and that's where kind of this your behavioral stuff comes in it's like how do we get around this behavior without making it trauma (laughs) like we have to be incredibly creative my most I'm my most proud moment I think where I thought I was brilliant is uh fifth grader who didn't want to work on his handwriting and he thought he was being defiant and I let him curse like he just wrote curse words and I'm like you can curse all you want on the paper as long as your letters are legible I'm good with that just don't tell your mother (laughs) and he felt like he was being misbehaving while he was working on the skill I needed him to work on
0: there we go being purposeful and functional and meaningful for the child. It's hard that to do. Isn't that the definition of OT? Purposeful, meaningful, functional?
1: Absolutely. And it's hard to do sometimes. It is really hard. It, it molds into that neurodivergent acceptance language stuff where the flapping. We need to understand that there's a balance between absolutely snuffing it out because if you think about it, they're just going to feel it's really them and they feel bad. If I can't do this, it's because something's wrong with me. And somehow we can, there's a balance where you can participate in that behavior and do it in a functional way that doesn't disturb others. And we need to educate the rest of the world also for inclusion. That's going to, we're doing it with LGBTQ and we're doing it in other areas, we should be doing it for neurodivergent behaviors as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of misunderstanding about neurodivergent behaviors, which I believe you are right now in the midst of a course to learn a little bit more about neurodivergent behaviors. Tell me about that course that you're taking right now. So I'm taking a
1: certification course to be an ADHD professional, in my case, a health professional, It's an online course that I've been taking. So I've learned a whole bunch of different techniques. And the ones that are very scientific are really hard for me to get through. It's very dry. It's very (laughs) Presentation is not all that entertaining. So I have to use a lot of my techniques to be able to get through in order for me to be more helpful as an ADHD coach. So I use two different programs I got into throughout learning that I have ADHD during COVID and trying to figure out how to work remotely I had discovered it before but I actually started using it more because of COVID was interactive metronome and the connection between a steady beat and training the brain to slow down it's an amazing tool that interactive metronome so I've been using it in my clinic as well as remotely there's they have I am home where kids can do it at home and you're following their progress and it's a lasting change. It actually changed. It's that neuroplastic brain that we have that we can change those pathways, which just helps us be more functional when dealing with obstacles that come up in a daily life. And from there, I also now am using the platform called Stronger Brains, which uses Brain HQ, I believe is the parent company. so it but it for ages ten to twenty four, it is not only training the brain cognitively. So it's working on inhibition, att- like extending our ability to do those executive function skills, taking in information, but it's also about mindfulness and breathing and recognize interception, recognizing how each part of our body feels. Like the platform itself does this. And so I'm getting certified in as an ADHD coach so I can incorporate that in with coaching. So not only are they gaining skills and their brain's getting rewired, but they're learning why that is, which is helpful for a kid to continue and persist and participate. And it helps me help them. And I'm just excited about it.
0: But so with this ADHD coaching, you're going to be coaching the kids, the parents, both?
1: So the platform itself is just the kids. My goal in the end, because ADHD is heritable at this point the likelihood is that a discombobulated kid has a discombobulated home with some discombobulated parents and everyone is a mess and just is at the verge of I've seen this my entire 20 years of working is that half the time it's the parent that I have to <laughs> fix I had to fire a kid. I love the kid but I had to fire the kid because of his mother and one of the things I learned in this ADHD course, it, it correlates perfectly to this in that those kids need to feel successful. We need to lower our expect- expectations so that kids feel successful. And this kid, the parent could not do it's great, but that, but always came in and she could not just give him positive reinforcement. It always came with a, but he can't do it all the time. He doesn't do it all the time. Yeah.
0: She needed to learn the yes. And improv. Technique? so I
1: tried for three. I tried for three years. I tried for three years to get her to change. and I couldn't. I couldn't teach. She was not teachable at least at my level of experience at that time. Maybe today I would have been able to get through to her, but I was a much younger o t then. And I just recognized that he could not improve because of her inability to support him. yeah, And yeah. so my goal has always yeah. been, To help the parents because they cry to me. I've had
0: parents cry to me. Yeah. So I want to stop because I mentioned the yes and technique. And I just want to make sure that people understand what yes and is. There's a technique that you learn if you're taking any improv course. And what they're trying to do is continue the conversation. If you say something, but this, That kind of closes off the conversation. Where if you say whatever the topic is that you're talking about, yes, and this, it gives us the next level of conversation rather than cut the conversation off and finish it. So if you're having a kid who is really struggling, acknowledge what they're struggling with, yes, and talk about the thing that you want to talk about. And the yes and will change your kid's life.
1: So again, it's fresh in my mind, this course. So one of the really important techniques was having them recognize each successful thing they did and also be able to skip over the thing that is traumatizing that they got in trouble for. And continue their day and show them where they behaved well, because they really focus on their negative behavior. So that's that yes and yes, you had that moment. Breakfast was where this breakdown happened. And we'll figure out why that is and how to prevent it next time. But let's look at what you did well leading up to breakfast and then, okay, breakfast. Now we'll just pass that. Fast forward and continue. And that helps with them being able to understand that these and this is important also that negative isn't forever, like it is transient. Feelings are transient, it will, it's just a feeling, it will move. There's another technique that I learned through Denise Duffield Thomas, who does a lot of money mindset stuff. And uh, she talks about the past the guacamole technique that if someone is talking negatively about something. You change the subject without them realizing it by doing something like, okay, and pass the guacamole, and then all of a sudden you're able to change the topic of conversation without having negatively reprimanding them for not doing what they shouldn't be doing, or you don't want to talk about without insulting them. You don't want to talk about what they're talking about because it'll bring you down. So therefore, you just change the topic in a very organic, smooth, non-judgmental way. And say that again, what kind of guacamole? (laughs) It was just past the guacamole. That's it, it's the past the guacamole. In other words, I'm sitting there, whatever's in front of you, you just choose something that is not involved in that topic, changing the subject, but it's embedded in what's happening in the now.
0: I understand now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were just like arbitrarily saying something about guacamole and no, what you're doing is, you're having some tangible thing that is part of the conversation. Can you hand me that paper towel, please? Exactly. Just so that you guys can get the idea here what we're talking about with past the guacamole. It's not necessarily (laughs) guacamole. It's something concrete to distract and then continue the conversation without being negative in the transition.
1: It's just, you can redirect The whole subject can change. We do this all the time when we don't want to do it. If I'm having a conversation, it's a perfectly great conversation, but I sneeze and I need a tissue. Please pass that. Can you pass the tissue box before you know it? You're talking about a totally different subject. You didn't mean to do that. But an hour later, you're like, oh, I never finished that thought.
0: (laughs) Happens to me every day. (laughs) Even on these interviews.
1: (laughs) I think that's what makes podcast interviews so interesting is that there's a main topic, but stories and information and experience make it makes the
0: information more interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're headed back to school very soon. Here in the north, it's more like the end of August beginning of September. But do you know that some cool schools are headed back the last week in July here and, and down in the south? And can you share one handwriting-based intervention that might help these kids that are like, I don't think I can write. I don't think I can write. I believe that you have something on your iPad that you can share. So those people that are that are able to join the companion course, you'll be able to see what Kaya has to share here.
1: What I want to share in the companion course, I'm not going to show you here. That is the video that directs the that gives you the directions on how to do this, but it has to do with the game of chance when it comes to when it comes to handwriting, there are a few pieces of the recipe that need to be there for a kid to be successful. I think the really biggest challenge for a kid who's having struggling for neat handwriting is the motor control and slowing themselves down. And they don't believe they can do it, so they rush through it as much as possible, which ne- they never learn. It's all connected, that interactive metronome, slowing your brain down, all of that. And the way the concept in the size matters, handwriting program of that is that it gives really concrete directions. There are objective goals to reach. Are you touching a line or are you not touching a line? And the way it turns into a game and a self-assessing tool is to use the dice game or what I call any game of chance. And the kids love doing it. So the way you do it, and there's such a subtle, really, but critical part that people mess over. So we roll the dice when they've written something and we check their writing, and let's say it does. it's not matching the rules. It hasn't earned a star. It doesn't follow the rules. We want them to practice that. But kids get really tired. It seems like a never-ending job to just do another A. Just do another A. That's pretty close, but do another A. So what we do is we throw it into game of chance. So it's out of my hands, out of the kids' hands. They roll the dice, and that's how many of the star-worthy version of that they have to write. So, if they roll a one, they only have to write one that's star worthy, but I can be pickier on my choices of whether they've matched the rules or not. So, there's still that individual, you're going to know where they are and know how much to push them. But taking the power out of your hands really helps the kid be willing to participate and persist. The way to do that is you need to adapt. So, this is a template that I created based on the so those dotted lines are driving that camera crazy. Okay, yeah, you really can't see the dotted lines on there. That is, wow, that's trippy to me. All right, anyway, so you see those boxes that are up there? That's the whole alphabet right there. That entire thing is ABC. So they're trying to write a letter, they just need to reference up there and see where it fits and where it should sit on the line. And it's there for them to have as a reference. The other thing that's on here that you really can't see through the camera is that I've created lines of different thicknesses because on the thickness, they have time to slow themselves down. If they really can't do it, I need them, like I said, to be successful. They need to keep earning those stars because otherwise they're not motivated to continue. So I create a really thick bottom line. So when they get to the bottom, if they can't manage to slow down in the beginning, because it's, it's, muscle like anything else, they have to train it. They're still successful. They're still hitting the rule because it didn't go past that thick line. And as they get better, I start, they don't notice it, but I'm reducing that. So that muscle and their ability to to hit the target gets better and better. It gets fine. It, It, their point, they get sharper as they go and they don't even realize it. And kids, it's nuts to know that kids come in and say, can we play the dice game? They don't want to go on the swing. Can we play that? deck? I know. Can we play a dice game? <laughs> and you could do it with anything. You could do it with a deck of cards. You can put just the numbers you want on there, and pick a card, and that's going to be how many of them that they have to do. Kids, I have a twenty-sided dice, and I when I tell to those boys, they're like, "Pull out that twenty-sided dice." And wouldn't you know it, he rolled a twenty, and wouldn't you know it, he only wrote twenty capital F's all the way that were star worthy nice and this is a kid that couldn't even start on the line when he first started it was a and went above below didn't matter once i un- he understood that if you just be precise and just start on the line you've already done half the work and he didn't want to do more than 20 so he only did 20 f's when they want to they can but they have we have to figure out how to make them want to it's not innate. If it's hard, okay. they don't want to.
0: Yeah. Here's the ADHD in me. I would be, definitely be like, come on, get the 20 done. Hurry up. <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take it. Waiting for you to get 20 done. No, i be distracted. <laughs> so here's my
1: trick for that. I have, I majored in theater and I'm really into acting. So I, I go into the character very much of, Wow, that was such good work. You tried so hard. That's amazing. So I'm always acting and creating more of my character in engaging with each one of those apps.
0: Then we need you to start characterizing and acting out our characters from Math Disconnected. Because part of the Emotional Kids Summit is introducing some of the characters in Math Disconnected. And We'll have to have you be acting out some of these characters.
1: I will absolutely do your
0: voiceovers.
1: No problem.
0: (laughs) Oh, So think of two girls, a boy and a teacher.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I was actually in a role where I played three different characters. The whole cast was in masks, so you could change characters. And my voice had to change with all of them. So I'm used to that. I can do it. I'm up for the challenge. Woo-hoo,
0: you go girl. (laughs) So I mentioned Math Disconnected and I mentioned the characters. If you are interested in learning more about Math Disconnected, a book that is going to be released this fall, please join the companion course because we have more information about what it means to be part of the book launch team, what it means to be uh, understanding some of the techniques that are going to be shared in there, And we have a whole lot of free training that is going to be associated with it. So we did the, we have this training, this mini course where we talked and dove into one of the techniques for about two hours. And we have another mini course of a different nature, very similar to the first one. So one of the, one of the tasks that we have in the book is called the Purple X. So we have the Purple X mini course that is included in the companion course. It is normally $275, no, $247, there you go. We are including that in the companion course. So if you are listening and want to know more about some of the reference tasks and the strategies to help support math, join the companion course and we can delve into that just a little bit more. But that is, Stopping you, Ms Kaya, from explaining some of the things that you wanted to share. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: So I want to share just so when you asked me to speak, I wanted to come up with some real life examples of kids and their and outbursts and behaviors and how I manage them. So one was that one kid who wanted to curse the whole time. But I also had a kid and we get this and she literally had a meltdown. She threw everything in the gym and then she dug her way underneath all these mats and disappeared. And I finally, one of my techniques is just as long as they're not hurting themselves and this is because when they're in that fight or flight, forget it. You cannot get them out of it. Talking to them won't work. But at some point, once she calmed down and she was in a quiet place and covered, I said, you know what? because I was really frustrated. Just do it. Just do it. Don't we get that way with our kids? It's like, I'm explaining it very perfectly and you're not getting it. And I'm getting frustrated. At some point I took responsibility and I'm like, you know what? You're the kid. This is my job. It is not your fault. And the minute I took that away from her, she, from then on, every session, she was a lot more open to listening to my ideas. The minute I took the responsibility off of her, because she couldn't help not being able to do it. And that just exacerbated her ability to do it. And it's, it yeah. was a turning point for me to say, this is not your fault. You don't have to do anything. It is my job. And once you take that burden off a kid, it's amazing how yes. their behavior can
0: shift. Now, one of the techniques that Jonali and I talk about in the course that goes along with the book that we're publishing is she shares one of the worksheets that her son did when he was like five. And the teacher said, I want you to color the P purple, the Y yellow and the O orange. On the picture, you know, those pictures that you have to like, there's a letter in there, you're supposed to color in the whole section. No, all he did was colored the P, colored the O, colored the Y. That's what I would have done. He explicitly did what he was told to do. So that brings me to another point in our in this conversation, and that is explicit instruction needs to be individualized for the child. Sometimes explicit instruction that we think is explicit isn't. And I guess I relate that back to your girl. We're taking the responsibility off her. We need to take a look at the situation. Look at what we are saying to the child. Maybe we need to flip the words, change the words, yes, and the words.
1: We also need to let our kids be safe to let us know they don't understand us. One of the principles in the handwriting program is direction. So when writing a C, it's a backward moving line. And I'm yelling at the kid, backward, backward, keep going. And then after like 10 times of this, he's like, what do you mean by backward? I'm like, oh, okay. move to a whole different thing. Explained what I meant by backward. Now, when I said
0: backward, he knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah." kids with disabilities, neurodivergent kids don't understand directionality. They don't understand over, under, around, sideways. And those are called BAME concepts. They don't understand. There's over 50 BAME concepts and they just don't understand them. And so we need to figure out where they are before we can figure out where to get them so that they understand what we're talking about. So what I love
1: is I didn't know about that. I did not know about that, but I know that needed to be worked on. I, I have created worksheets, and that was the thing on my iPad that you saw before had to do with directionality. I know we're running out of time, but I'm going to show this to you anyway. So I was doing an online, whoop, an online session with a kid. So the green is where you go from and the finish line is over here and going forward means you're going from the green to the finish and going backwards is moving from the. So I had these letters here and I said I would move if you're moving. I want you to move forward with the F. What do you find when you go forward or what do you find when you go backwards is the E behind the f are you going backwards to go from the f to the b or forwards to go from the f to e and i also the diagonal lines are more difficult to understand because they're going forward and down or forward and up so you're adding two concepts of direction there so, and what, literally, so
0: are those letters if you push on them um, they they move around like the touch screen no this is no.
1: this is not procreate and I, what i did was i had a layer here and what i was doing is i was asking him questions. And then I would write on uh, top of it and cross out what we've done and right. demonstrated forward and backward with those super C letters that we yep, were moving backwards I as I drew it. But yeah, that, it's amazing to me that I understand how directionality is such an important component here that once they understand that, again, there's so many things that look so simple and we think we understand, but then there's a critical piece missing and once we get that critical piece in place, it works. Yep.
0: We have run out of time, Ms. Kaya. Can you tell people how to find you?
1: Sure. So I'm Chaya Gottesman. My website is sensationnewyork.com and it's all spelled out, unfortunately, S-A-N-S-A-T-I-O-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K.com. I am also <laughs> the OT with ADHD on TikTok. You can find me at Chaya Gottesman on Facebook, DM me. If you have questions, I'm happy to chat.
0: Beautiful. And I am Sherry Dodder from The Writing Glitch. And you have been listening to Kaya Gossman here on the Emotional Kids Summit. And don't forget to sign up for that companion course and get over $1,000 of merchandise for a very low introductory offer. Thanks for being here. Thank you.